Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Great. You shot the invisible swordsman. <laughs> I, I, Maybe you reverted to movies. That was a quote. That was a quote switch up. I had a different quote lined up, but then uh, Mr. Paulette made a reference to a certain movie, and I had to follow suit. I I, I like silly movies. I love I that movie, man. I saw that film at least three times in the theater. Really? Yeah. Well, That's one amazing. for each, you know, amigo. And it and it wasn't Tron. No, wasn't, so. not this time. So, but today we wanted to talk about a device that I actually got some hands-on time with. Some uh, pretty in-depth hands-on time with the Nintendo 3DS. Yes. Funny you would say in-depth. Yes. Uh, Let me put it this way. I'm not going to have any more time with that particular device. No, no. And, uh, you know, I actually had a little time with that device, too, until you said, give me that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the first time I actually Not that I'm bitter. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, like I said, I'm not playing with it anymore either. Yeah. Um, the first time I, I laid eyes upon the Nintendo 3DS was at the 2010 E3, uh, conference, the, uh, Electronic Entertainment Expo. Was that the time that when you laid eyes on it where the, the shaft of light came down from the ceiling and the angel chorus started singing? Uh, except that the angel chorus, instead of going, oh, said, it's a me, Mario. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, the, it, it was a big deal at E3. I mean, Nintendo yeah, had revealed this new hardware. It had been years since Nintendo had done something besides the DS Lite, right? It was, it wasn't just a simple tweak of the DS. It was a, a pretty major leap forward. Yes. And, uh, and so. And you could actually see the forward because it's in 3D. Exactly. That it, was the big deal was glasses free 3D. In this device. Yep. Now, uh, yeah, we usually say this at the beginning of the podcast such as this, but there was so much hype in this case that we've had several people ask us to do a show on the 3DS. So yes. we're happy to oblige. Yes. Uh, so happy, in fact, that HowStuffWorks.com actually bought a 3DS for us to try out. Yes. Because I wasn't at the show, so I didn't get to see it for myself. Well, and I only got a chance to see it for about three minutes because uh, you, you stood in line for around – 45 minutes to an hour, unless you had a VIP pass. So people like CNET's Brian Tong jumped right to the front, and people like schlubby old me got in line with all the rest of the peons, and we waited and waited and waited. Dude, why didn't you get a fast pass? I don't, I know, I know. You should know better by now. Clearly, I mean, I know the right people, right? I just, apparently I didn't leverage those relationships the way I should. My networking skills are are poor. So anyway, uh, yeah, we got a few minutes to look at, and it was very impressive. Uh, One of the games they showed off was this uh, Mario platform game, Go figure uh, that no that used the 3D in a very effective way. In that uh, the 3D actually was adjustable. There's a a slider on the right side of the screen, the 3D screen. Uh, The DS, by the way, in case you have not seen one, is a a handheld gaming device that has two screens. There's the screen that you're actually watching for the game and where the game action is happening, and then there is a touchscreen interface system. That you may use in the while playing a game, or you know, it may just be there as a decoration because you may be using the uh, the basic controls like the gamepad and the buttons, right? Right, and it looks a lot like the uh, the DS Lite, which yeah. of which I have one. Yeah, 
Um, except it, there are some, some pretty different features. I'm used to the, the typical Nintendo, uh, four direction D pad. Yes. And it has one of those. And, uh, yeah. But, but it also has a circular pad, an analog circular pad. So it's like a, a little joystick that your thumb sits on. Yeah, kind of. So the 3DS kind of upped the ante with that. But yeah, the, the cool thing was that the whole idea was that there was going to be this, this glasses free 3D experience. And you might ask yourself, hey, how does that work? Well, I'll tell you. It's based upon a principle called a parallax barrier. Now, in order for this to make sense, we got to talk about a few different concepts. First of all, let's talk about parallax. Okay. We've talked about this before in other 3D podcasts, uh, as podcasts about 3D, not podcasts that were in 3D. Well, they were, but you had to have a special kind of earphones to yeah. listen to. Uh, yeah, you kind of had to be here in the studio <laughs> while we recorded it to be at all three-dimensional. And even then, that's stretching it for us, let's be honest. So uh, parallax is based upon the whole idea that uh, – uh, well, there are different – Things about parallax, right? But as far as 3D vision goes, stereoscopic vision goes, parallax is based upon the fact that our eyes are not located in the same exact spot. Yes, because then it would be one eye. Yes. Yeah. We would be a cyclops. So if, if you are a human being with two healthy, regular working eyes, then you uh, can use parallax to determine how far away an object is. And part, and that's kind of based upon uh, the the distance that the picture that you're getting out of your left eye versus the picture you're getting out of your right eye, and your brain puts these two pictures together into a uh, uh, an integrated picture. So you know instead of getting instead of you sitting there and perceiving two different images, you actually perceive a single image based upon these two inputs, these two data inputs that are coming in at the same time. And so this is part of what helps you with your depth perception. It's not the only thing, but it, it definitely helps in that, you know, your, your brain kind of takes in that information and says, based upon this information, that person is so many feet away, right? Right. And so 3D, what 3D does is that it presents you two sets of images. Each eye only receives one of those images, one set. And then your brain puts those two sets together and that creates this, what appears to be a three-dimensional image, which is pretty cool. You're, you're tricking your brain into thinking that you're perceiving something that actually has depth as opposed to just height and width. Right. Groovy, right? Yes. I, you were looking at me. I wasn't sure whether you were going to say something. Yeah. Um, in our 3D cameras uh, podcast, we talked about the ways in which you have to uh, use technology to achieve this effect on the, the front end. You mm-hmm. have to create the technology. And uh, in order to do that with with a movie or a TV show, um, they will often use two cameras spaced with with lenses spaced about as far apart as your eyes. Right. Uh, because they have to use these two different pictures and combine them in a way uh, that will allow you to see them in faux 3D. Yeah, exactly. And in a way that your brain interprets as being th- uh, three-dimensional. Right. Now, uh, the 3DS has on its case, on the outside, two little cameras that are about that far apart, which aid in this, but that's not all of it. And I, I you know, sort of sort of interrupted the uh, the glasses thing just because I wanted to give you an idea that, yes, this, this plays into the creation of the games because there have to be more than one image and there has to be some way to make it fool your brain into thinking uh, that it's that distance apart 
And that's one of the ways in which they create the game in order to do that. But then you right, have to right. see it. Now, for TV or a movie, uh, we usually think about having to wear the glasses. Right. And yeah. there are a couple of different ways to do actually more than a couple. There are three or four different ways to right. do this. Right. But but basically the basic way is that you overlay these two sets of images on top of one another and then you find some way to filter them out, filter one set of images out per eye. Right. You that might use... be through color or or polarity of the light. Um there are a lot of different ways. But that that requires glasses. Now, glasses free, this is something that Chris and I got to see in person. We actually took a field trip. Uh, a couple of years ago, out to a company that does glasses-free lenticular displays. Yes. Which was interesting and also kind of disorienting. Yeah. Yeah, plus I was a little worried because I had to forge my mom's signature on the permission slip for yeah. the field trip. Yeah, because he had been a bad boy up to that week. I had. But... He was distracting others in class. <laughs> but, um, yeah, on a, on on a big screen TV... Uh, you can use lenticular displays to achieve the 3D effect without having to wear glasses. Now, if you've ever had one of those little poster, uh, I'm sorry, postcards, or, uh, I remember actually when I, uh, had a drink that I got back in the days of Atari Pac-Man for the 2600. Yeah. I actually have a Pac-Man sticker and it uses a lenticular film. Yeah, there's a lenticular film that goes over the the images because there's actually more than one image on that sticker, but we right. but you can only see one image depending upon uh the angle you're looking uh from. Yeah, if you run your finger over it or your fingernail even more specifically, it sounds like you're walking in corduroy pants. You get that voop, voop Yeah, there's a little feeling. you can feel the ridges. Yeah. Yeah, I I used to have a postcard that was a uh, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader uh, having a lightsaber duel. And you know, you tilt the the postcard back and forth, and it would look like they were fighting. It was a, a very limited amount of animation, and the way that worked is that the those the, that plastic film, you can think of those as actually little tiny lenses that, when at a certain angle, allow you to view the image just from you know you could just view one set of lines, and all those lines together make up an image. But if you tilt it a little to the right or to the left. Then you're looking at a different set of lenses, and those only let you see a different set of lines. And so you can put several different sets of lines all crammed together. These are basically bits of information. And then by tilting the the, the postcard back and forth, you're seeing this these different images, whole images in sequence. And if you do it fast enough, it looks like it's animated. Yes. And I, I was thinking we probably should – since I'm sure someone will want to know uh, about that TV. Yeah. The TV works on that bigger scale. Yeah. The the only problem is there are these little it's it's kind of hard to exp- to explain in non 3D. Yeah. But um there are little areas. If you've ever been in a perfect stereo setup where you're in the right exact space and you can totally make out the left and the right channel. Yeah. But if you move a little to the left or the right or forward or backward, yeah. all of a sudden you lose that true stereo effect. Mm-hmm. It's it's like that for the TVs. Yes. Because if you step just a hair out of place, all of a sudden the image gets distorted a little bit and you can't see it in 3D anymore. And you start these to sort of sick dead spots. Yeah. Which is why you don't see that on every 3D TV. Right. The way I I describe it usually is imagine that the television or in this case the 3DS is in the center of a pie. Mm, Oh, see? You had to bring pie into it. Now I'm going to be thinking about that. And and now a pie that's been sliced, right? So you've got the 3DS is at the center of the pie. So you've got these slices that that converge at the 3DS. Oh, yes. Now, if, if you happen to be positioned 
in the middle of a slice of pie, then you get the 3D experience. But if you are bestride two slices of pie, if that slice is uh, in between, betwixt thy feet, then uh, then you're going to end up with this weird muddled image, and it's going to not. It's going to look really kind of cloudy. Your brain's not really going to know what to do with it, and uh, and it really is disorienting. I can tell you from experience because one of the things we found out while playing with the Nintendo 3DS is it's a little disorienting when you're playing it yourself. But it's even more so if you try to watch someone else play because you are going to be looking over that person's shoulder and you're not going to be in that sweet spot. Now, that's one of the reasons why the 3DS was considered to be viable was because if you're playing a handheld device, generally you're holding it in front of yourself and you're holding it about the right distance away for that 3D to work, right? You're holding it around, you know. 14 to 18 inches away from your face. You're holding it in front of you more le- more likely than not. And so it's kind of a controlled environment. Whereas if you were to put this in, say, a television, well, then you have to arrange your entire living room so that you are always seated in one of those sweet spots to get the 3D or else you'll just get a massive headache. So if you were to sit a little to the left on the couch, suddenly you can't see the 3D image anymore and, and it's just a jumbled mess on the television. So... The 3DS, the idea was that the form factor suited that 3D uh, technology. Now, you were talking about how you have to have two different sets of images. It's, it's, and that's true. With these 3D games, if you have it on 3D mode, and, and the nice thing about the 3DS is you can turn the 3D mode off. If you, t- if you slide the 3D switch all the way down, it goes to 2D mode and you only have a single set of images. If you, you because you have to have two sets of images, that means that you have to have custom games for this device. Right. You you can't suddenly uh, start playing all your old Nintendo DS games right. in 3D. Right. They, now it is compatible with those old games, but you are not going to get the 3D effect because those old games were not designed with two sets of images. Exactly. Uh, another thing I should point out is that if you have any problems with your sight in one eye, like let's say that you you've, you're blind in one eye, or you just have uh, a medical condition um, that that messes with your vision in one eye, you may not be able to see 3D through parallax views the way that uh, a, a person with good vision in both eyes could, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because of that, Nintendo kind of is kind of shying away from making 3D an integral, necessary part of games on the 3DS. In other words, you can buy 3D games for the 3DS. But there won't be any games in which the 3D component is necessary for you to be able to play that game. Now, that goes against the Mario game that I saw when I was at E3, because the Mario game I saw, if you turned the 3D setting off, you suddenly could not see the platforms that you had to jump on as you were running through the, the levels. You could only see them in the 3D mode, so that meant that the 3D was necessary for you to be able to play effectively. Uh, well, now Nintendo's saying, well, that may not be the best idea because there are some people who just can't enjoy games, uh, and so if it's in just 3D mode, so we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, discount them. We don't want to leave them out of the fun. So 3D should just be kind of a feature. It's at that point, one could argue, and I have made this argument, the 3D feature on the 3DS becomes more of a gimmick than a feature because. It's not necessary to the game. It's not like the Wii games where the Wii remote is an uh, integrated part of gameplay, right? Right. I mean, with those games, like the, the games that use the Wii remote or the the uh, the Wii Fit board, 
those things, you know, that's part of the gameplay. You, if you if there's not a, a simple way where you just switch that out and use a regular controller, that that's more of a game that was where it's integrated with the whole system. Right. Like, for example, the uh, Mario Kart Wii has the Wii steering wheel. Mm-hmm. But the Wii steer- steering wheel is essentially an inert piece of plastic in which you snap the uh, Wii remote. Yeah. So you don't need the steering wheel to play that game. You just hold the uh, Wii remote sideways yeah. and, you know, make vroom vroom sounds. So and you, then yeah, it's you essentially- could argue, yeah, you could argue that that, dr- that steering wheel is more or less a gimmick. Although yeah. I would assume it would make it a little easier to hold and manipulate the Wii remote in sure. that case. Sure. But, but you don't need the little tennis racket thing either to play exactly, the tennis Exactly, yeah. Or like one that's shaped like a wand to play a Harry Potter game or something along those lines. Yeah. So it, it feels almost more like that, like one of the, the kind of superfluous Wii accessories. That's kind of how the 3D feature on the 3DS feels if you remove the 3D as an integrated part of the game. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about – you know, we, we mentioned lenticular displays. The way Nintendo actually implements this technology is what we call the, the parallax barrier. And a parallax barrier is kind of neat. Yes. Okay. So the screen that you're looking at, the 3D screen, is an LCD screen. On top of that screen is a second LCD screen that uses these little liquid crystals to create kind of like shutters. And the shutters block off the way light bounces or projects off of the backlit uh, 3D screen. And by shuttering off the light just right, it directs light in uh, two particular directions, the left eye and the right eye. So it's blocking the right eye's image to the left eye and it's blocking the left eye's image to the right eye. Now, if you uh, if you haven't been following us on Facebook, and if not, why haven't you? Um, you probably are unaware of what we are about to get into next, what I was going to bring up next, which is that when I wasn't here one day, yeah. they took it upon themselves to tear this thing apart. If you want, I'll give it to you. It's in a bag. Thanks. Or most of it's in a bag. We, we can eBay the, the chunks of it. I had to throw away some of the pieces. They were, yeah. So so could you actually pull these screens apart? Can you actually see this for yourself? Uh, well, because it's liquid crystal displayed, no, not I, really. I didn't figure like, you'd you, be able to. But yeah, I, you're not going to – I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, first of all, you're going to void your warranty, and second of all, you're going to break your 3DS. Uh, if I had a heat gun, I could have weakened the adhesive enough to pull apart the, the screens, but I didn't have a heat gun. So I didn't bother to try and force that. Um, I took – I took the protective covering off of the 3D screen so that you could see where the the speakers are mounted. The speakers are mounted on the 3D screen, not on the base. Um, You could see where the forward-facing camera was, uh, that kind of stuff. But you could not – I couldn't pull out the screen and then uh, uh, split it in twain. But uh, yeah, it was – it's interesting. The the, the little um, 3D switch on the left – on the right rather of the the screen, if you – Put it all the way down, it turns the 3D off. Well, if you start sliding it up, it actually adjusts the 3D. And the way it adjusts the 3D is the width of the little crystal shutters. By by sliding it up, it, it adjusts the width so that you get more or less light coming to you from the various screens. And it will actually offset the, um, the pictures a little bit more too, which means that uh, you can adjust the depth of field. And the reason for that is that you know we were talking about how – these displays kind of mimic how our eyes are are spaced on our heads. 
Well, most of the time you have to estimate that, right? Sure. Yeah. You base it on an average. Mm-hmm. So you say the average person's eyes are so so many centimeters apart, and if your device doesn't have an, any way of adjusting for that, you just have to go for the average, and you realize that any individual person who views that is going to have a variable experience based upon how far apart their actual eyes are. So let's say that the average is a certain amount and that my eyes happen to be a little closer together than average. That means that if I'm looking at a fixed uh, parallax display, like there's no way to adjust that 3D, I'm not going to get as good an experience as someone who whose eyes are closer to the average. Well, this this little switch allows you to change the offset of those images and the width of those uh, those crystals to be able to uh, to get it closer to what your your uh, your physiological makeup is. So you can get as close to an ideal experience as possible. All that being said, after about 10 minutes of playing with this on 3D mode, I started to feel a little uh, seasick, <laughs> which is weird because I don't get motion sickness easily. I'm like a roller coaster fanatic and I ride like the happy go pukies. I don't have any problem with any of that. But after playing with this thing for 10 minutes, I was thinking, I don't feel so good. <laughs> Well, and uh, we did have other people comment on Facebook that they don't have that problem. Yeah. So, yeah. so your mileage may vary. Exactly. Well, most of the people I pl- I lent it out to had a similar response of, "Wow, this is making me this is making my head hurt, or it's making me a little dizzy." Um, now that might be that they just had not tweaked the 3D setting properly so that it wasn't ideal, you know? Because again, if it's set a little off to you, then it's just you may not be able to consciously put your finger on what's wrong, but you'll start to feel a little, you know, wonky. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the other uh, elements. Since we talked about breaking this thing open and looking at it, I was going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's in it. Okay. It has an ARM processor as the CPU, uh, and it's uh, uh, between 500 megahertz to a gigahertz and processor speed. Uh, you don't really need a super fast processor to play most of the games. And, of course, the, the higher the speed of the processor, the more heat it's going to generate. Yeah. And heat in general is bad, especially for a handheld device, because you don't really have the space to put in a cooling system, like no. a fan mm-hmm. or a vent or something. So you don't want to generate a lot of heat. So because of that, there's not just the CPU. There's also a graphics processing unit. Yeah, we do know there. more about that. Yeah, it's uh, made by Digital Media uh, Professionals, and it's the Pika 200 chip. And... Um, it, it's a, it runs at a 400 megahertz. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you've got a dedicated chip for the graphics. You've got another chip that's kind of running the, the, the rest of the horsepower for the games. And then there's other chips in there too, right? There's like, there's a gyroscope. There's a accelerometer. Um, there's, a, there's of course memory chips, both for, uh, the RAM and for actual storage memory. Right. It comes with one gig of, uh, flash memory on board. Yeah. And then you also get a two gigabyte, uh, SD card mm-hmm. uh, that comes with it. It's a Toshiba SD card. And uh, uh, the nice thing about it is that, of course, you can save content to this SD card. There's some limitations to that as well. Let's say that you save a game to the SD card and then you uh, you load it onto a new 3DS and then you try and go back to your old 3DS and run that. You're not going to be able to access that content because it's, it's DRM'd. Oh, and nice. The, the basis of that is that they don't want you to be able to start copying games and then distribute them to all your friends. What about saved games? 
Save games, I think, are a little different. Um, but so, I mean, your your progress and things. You could play if you had the game on another DS. You could play where you left off. I would. I think so. Yeah. Okay. This is really for games like, let's say, you download a game. Oh, okay. You can because you can. That's a good point. We didn't talk about. Yeah, that. you can download games from Nintendo service. And uh, if you were to save it to your SD card, just so you don't take up all your space on your actual device, then you could port it over to a different 3DS, but then you're not going to be able to play it on your first one. Okay. Same thing, like, if you were to port it over to a third DS, you wouldn't be able to play it on the first two. And uh, that that's just protecting Nintendo so that you don't end up, you know, distributing a game ad infinitum to all of your friends. Um but there, I mean, there's also a Wi-Fi chip in it. That's what allows you, of course, to access not just Wi-Fi hotspots, but Nintendo hotspots, which are few and far between here in the States, but uh, they're pretty big in Japan. Um, there's also uh, an IR chip, so infrared, that allows you to do probably 3DS to 3DS communication, although that not a whole lot's been said about that particular feature. Yeah, and but... It wouldn't surprise me if that capability isn't available because it's already available on other Nintendo handheld. Well, yeah, and there, there's definitely there's definitely some some collaborative uh, uh, technology there, right? There are ways where you can you can gain content just by encountering other people who happen to have a 3DS. Really? Yeah, it's kind of cool. The idea here is that you you keep the 3DS on in sleep mode and you carry it around with you. And when it comes within range, it's constantly sort of sending out a little signal, a, a ping sort of. Yeah, that's not going to kill your battery. No, battery life for this thing, by the way, is around five hours. Um, five hours of playtime. That's on a full charge. Um and that's if you uh, have the brightness. Turn the higher you turn up the brightness, the less time you'll have. Right, because you need the electricity from the battery to power the brighter screen. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you're you're putting in more lumens. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, you know lumens. when life gives you lumens. Yeah, you make luminade. So yeah, the but yeah, it pings out this signal, and if it if it finds another 3ds, it can exchange information. So let's say that you both are playing a game where you have uh, virtual pets, or perhaps you've created some Miis on your 3DS. You know, Those are the little avatar characters that Nintendo uses. So Nintendo Wii also, in, and I think they were introduced with the Nintendo Wii. Yeah. Well, you could create an, a Mii using the 3DS. Well, if you walk by a whole bunch of people holding 3DSs, it may turn out that when you open up your little Mii plaza, you start seeing these other Miis that other people have created because, you know, you, you're... 3DS has made this connection and you downloaded, you ended up downloading automatically this information, which is kind of cool. It creates a sort of community experience, even with people you've never met. Although it makes you wonder if you can make your me a real jerk face so that your me, whenever you go into the me plaza, is, is really harassing the other me's. Why does it not surprise me that you've considered this as a possibility? Well, you know, I will say that uh, there's a, a kind of cool feature where you can use the forward-facing camera on the 3DS to take a picture of yourself, and then the 3DS will design a me based upon that photo. That's very cool. Yeah, it'll it'll get it as close. You know, it'll try. There's only so many preset features that the me has at its disposal. It's not that many, but it'll try and pick the ones most appropriate to your face's shape and features. Hmm. Uh, well, yeah, so, you can actually take uh, 3D photos in general yeah, on yeah. the 3DS. Yeah, the, the forward-facing cameras in, is just a, a regular camera. But, but the, the rear-facing cameras, those two that Chris was talking about before, those can take 3D images. It takes two sets of uh, photos and then 
overlays them, and then you can uh, get a little 3D image, and it looks like you've got some real depth there. That actually is really cool. The downside to that, of course, is that the only thing you can view that on is the Nintendo 3DS. Yeah. It's not like you could pop the SD card out and put it into a digital frame and suddenly you have all these 3D photos because the digital frame lacks the parallax barrier. Yeah. So without the parallax barrier, you just get a a two-dimensional image. I'm sorry. That just sounds like a major science fiction construct, story construct. pretty sure Admiral Akbar had to breach the parallax barrier in order to destroy the... Death Star in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> okay. He was so, a Mon Calamari. Well, <laughs> so, uh, sorry, that just kind of got me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a little on the expensive side. Uh, $249. The, yeah. Which yeah, is more expensive than the Wii now. Right. And it's a hundred dollars more than what you're going to find with the regular DS models. Uh, and with a feature like 3D is its main big uh, feature over the other DS models, right? Right. I mean, there are going to be games that are going to be designed just for the 3DS that will not run on the DS or DS Lite. Not all of those games are in 3D, by the way. Uh, some of the games that are coming out, well, by the time this podcast goes live, they may already be out. But like the new Street Fighter game for the 3DS is not in 3D. It's for the 3DS, but it does not have a 3D mode. That's kind of cheesed off some people, by the way. I was going to say, I imagine it will confuse some people who are expecting a 3DS-only title to be in 3D. Yeah, but... As the case, the case is just that not every title is going to take advantage of the 3D capabilities. Um, one thing it does do that's kind of cool that the other DS games don't do: it has augmented reality uh, abilities. Ah, uh, yes. Now, for the uninitiated, augmented reality is uh, basically taking a an image of something that's in real life. Say you're looking through a camera, right, and at a a, a building. Mm-hmm. That is in front of you. Yep. And uh, an, an augmented reality solution would lay um, a virtual layer of information over that to tell you maybe who the tenants inside the building are. Or the address of the, the building you're looking at. Right, right. Or, you know, the things that are down the street. Say you shift the camera and it says, oh, well, down the street you have a bookstore and a coffee shop. And if you turn the camera the other way, it might say, you know. There's a restaurant here and then it might even have... A, a review of the restaurant up or perhaps a menu of the restaurant. That would be nice and, to have. Yeah, there's a lot of cool applications. You see this a lot with smartphones right now because smartphones have yeah. more and more features that allow this to happen, like GPS, the compass, mm-hmm. the camera. All of these elements give smartphones the capabilities they need in order to overlay information on top of reality. Uh-huh. Well, the 3DS also has this capability, although it's in a very specific feature right now. Uh, when you get a 3DS... Uh, you'll get a series of cards with it. Most of the cards have characters on them, like Mario, uh, Samus from, uh, from, uh, was it Metroid? Yeah. And Link from the Zelda series. I find this ironic because Nintendo started as a playing card company long, long years before yeah, there were portable electronics. It. Well, the, one of the cards is one of the, the infamous coin boxes, the question mark boxes that you find in the old Super Mario Brothers game and then in lots of Mario games since then. If you put that down on a table and you activate the augmented reality games feature on your Nintendo 3DS, pointing the cameras at that that uh, uh, card will start a scanning pr- process. They will detect the presence of that card. Based upon the image, they can detect uh, what angle the 
you're holding the 3DS, like what, what angle of view you have. You hold it about 14 inches away from that card, and then it'll start this augmented reality feature where a 3D virtual box, coin box, pops up. And it appears to be standing on top of the actual real card that's on the table. Now, granted, if you're just looking at the table as a third person, you know, observer, you're just going to see a, a person pointing a 3DS at a card, right? Because the object is yeah. not the, the, the little virtual avatar guy is not really there. But if you're looking through the 3DS, there appears to be a three dimensional animated object standing on top of the card. And then you can initiate various games playing, uh, and play with this this uh, card. The first one being a, an archery game, where you actually have to physically move around the table in order to get a view at all the different uh, targets that you have to shoot at, which is pretty cool. I, it, people, it was a big hit here at the office. People thought it was really a neat idea. I liked it. Yeah, and I thought that the augmented reality uh, uh, applications really had a lot of promise to them. Uh, it's still kind of limited because it was relying on this. This card, and uh-huh. if you if you lost the card, then you could always go to Nintendo's site and actually um, download an image that you could print on a color printer, and then you could use that instead. Um, but you know, it's not like you could point the 3DS at anything and then create a game on top of it. It's you know these very narrowly defined uh, parameters that that it'll work with, and that's pretty much the state of the art for augmented reality right now. Um, anything that's relying on object recognition is pretty fairly primitive right mm-hmm, now. So mm-hmm. you, you're usually working with some sort of um, predefined pattern, and the cameras are able to map the pattern and uh, and generate the proper uh, virtual data on top of the the physical appearance. It's um that part I thought was really neat. I'm not sure that again, uh, this one, it was this one game that came with the Nintendo 3DS. I don't know how many more applications we'll see of that. I don't, I assume that there's nothing stopping a developer from creating other augmented reality games. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that that would be entirely possible. Personally, what I think would be really cool is create a tabletop map. All right. Okay. And then invite a whole bunch of people over and each person has their own 3DS and they all point the 3DS at the map and the 3DS is because of their Wi-Fi capability can be networked. Oh. So you network together and then you play a role playing game on top of a real map with your virtual characters and they can interact with each other. That would be very cool. That would be super cool. Can you imagine, like, I'm going back to my D&D game, gaming days, but I could imagine playing a D&D game where you're looking at a virtual representation of your, you know, barbarian uh, who is going to kick down the next door and, you know, the wizard's right behind you with a spell and he casts magic missile at the darkness. Roll for damage. Right. So um, I didn't make my saving throw against dorkiness, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that would be a really neat feature. Now, are we going to see that? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if people are going to try and develop for the augmented reality features of the 3DS, but I would love to see that happen because while the 3D gaming was cool, it disoriented me enough where I probably wouldn't want to play it very often. And since it's not integrated into the games necessarily, it, there's not much point in ever turning the 3D on if it's going to disorient me. But if you were able to push that augmented reality feature, then I'm saying, hey, this is a really compelling new form of gaming that I, I am genuinely interested in uh-huh, uh-huh. because eventually we're going to have the that um, that Star Wars chess set where you let the Wookiee win. 
Well, I have to say that um, at the price point it's, it's at right now and with the features, you know, I'm just not willing to fork over the money for it. And, but, yeah. but quite a few people did. It sold pretty well its first week. Yeah, I'm curious to see how those sales hold up over time. Uh, I, I, you know, we don't do reviews here on tech stuff, but I, I have to completely agree with you, Paulette. It's, it's a really cool device and I see a lot of promise in it, but I don't, I'm not, I don't feel a need to buy one. Now, yeah. that being said, I should also add that I am not really a handheld gaming enthusiast in the first place. So I'm probably not the right market. I, when I game, I like to be sitting in a comfortable chair at home. Controller in hand, looking at a big screen. So I'm not the right audience. So it's probably not fair to ask me. But yeah, I would I would skip it yeah, too. Yeah, but, but still, it's phenomenal technology. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing else. Uh, nobody else has got a version of that. In fact, uh, Sony, as of the week we're recording this, Sony pulled the PSP Go off the market. Yes, the PSP Go is no go, no mo. Well, it's discontinued anyway. Yes. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's sort of in a league of its own right now. Yep. Um, so if you're really interested in, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, if you guys want to hear more about various devices, whether they be gaming or otherwise related, let us know. Shoot us an email at techstuff at howstuffworks.com or let us know on Twitter and Facebook. You can find us there with the handle techstuffhsw. Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?